Welcome to Coffee Talk with Linda. I'm Linda Davis. Thank you for joining me today. A little bit about myself before we get started. I love Jesus. I love coffee. And I love sharing both. So go grab your cup and let's talk. I want to talk to you today about something that I think is difficult for all of us and also vital for all of us. And that is trusting the process. And it's so important for us to trust the process. And we look at that sometimes a little lightly, I think. Oh, yeah, I trust God. Oh, I trust the process. Oh, I know God's working it out. But when we're in the middle of being processed, trust is a very difficult thing. And so trusting the process can be twofold. It can be that we're somebody that we stand and we remain and we know if God said, God said, and we understand that he's not a man that he should lie. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. So we do not waver in the outcome, but we waver in the process. Like, is all this really necessary? Do I have to be going through all this? Does all this have to be taking place? Do things need to be the way they are when we're being processed? So that's trusting or trying to remain in trust that God knows what is necessary to bring us to that very thing we have faith in, we believe in, we have not wavered in, him doing what he said he's going to do. What we're wavering in is why things are being processed to get there, why the path we're walking to get to the thing we very much have faith in happening, why that has to be the way it is. That's one area of struggle. And then the other area of struggle is... We manipulate the process because we're concerned about the outcome. So our faith is really lacking in what the outcome will be. We're not sure about the outcome. So we try to work the processing to produce the outcome we desire the outcome we think should take place. It's not easy, but everything in our processing has a purpose to it. And there's a promise at the end of it. And that's what we have to trust. We have to trust in the process that there's purpose to all of it. 
all of it, to produce or bring forth or manifest or birth the very promise that's coming. And it's not easy. And it actually doesn't even get easier. What I think gets easier over time is our ability to not waver as our faith is strengthened over years of walking with the Lord, right? We all, every single person, whether a believer or not a believer, whether of great faith or little faith, every single one of us are caught off guard. Every single one of us have an unpredicted sudden turn in the road, sudden curve, a bend. Like we were going along straight, all of a sudden there's a sharp curve. We can't see what's around the other side. We certainly have to slow down and be cautious in that moment. And we can't see what's around the corner. And that's tough in the spiritual things. If we would do what we do when we drive in our physical cars, right? We have the advantage that we're warned that there's a bend in the road or there's a sharp curve ahead, slow down. We have that uh, advance notice that we don't have sometimes in life. But when we recognize we have hit a bend in the road, when we recognize that something is before us that we weren't expecting, we are best to do the same thing we do when we're driving a car. Slow down. Don't panic. Don't keep going at the same speed. Don't hit the brakes, but definitely slow down, move forward with caution, pay more attention to what, what is around you. And we truly can trust the process regardless of the circumstances around us. And actually, the fact that we have a promise at the end of the processing, that there's a purpose to it, actually strengthens us or can, if we let it, strengthen us to get through, strengthen us to get beyond really gives us that peace that passes all understanding. We should have more of a struggle than we have, but if we're trusting, trusting, if we're trusting the process, then we have a peace and a rest that God has a purpose in this. And I don't want to miss the purpose in this. I certainly don't want to go through the same thing again or something remotely similar to that. So how am I not going to go through the same thing again? Or how am I going to not go through something similar to it to bring out the purpose God's trying to bring out? Well, it's to yield to it, to slow down, to find out the truth in the situation, to trust the process. And it's difficult. The most difficult thing for us to do 
is trust. But I promise you this, if you have to spend all day saying, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I don't understand, but I trust you. I know this is no surprise to you. You knew this was showing up on my doorstep. You knew this was coming across my path. So what's the purpose in it? And even if he doesn't in that moment reveal to you what the purpose is in it, what the truth of the situation is, just yield to him with a peace that he knows better than you. That's the thing we really battle and struggle with, especially when we become adults. We experience it in disciplining children. Sometimes they're just not ever going to understand why they can or cannot do something, why they have to do something or they cannot do something. They don't understand, but all of it we know as the parent has purpose in it. So when God talks about a childlike faith, he's telling us, you just have to have a faith that says, I don't know why. I don't know what the purpose is. I don't know why I can't do that. I don't know why I have to do that. But you're my parent, your daddy God, your Abba Father, and I'm going to trust that you know better than I do. And I'm not even going to be like a little kid and go pout about it. I'm not going to throw a fit about it. Now, we sure don't like it when our kids do it, but that's how we come across to God sometimes when we're having our fit about something that caught us off guard, is a bend in the road, we weren't expecting, we didn't even do anything to cause it. How about that one? And yet it feels like we're being punished, but we're not. That's the thing. And the key to not being punished is we didn't do anything to cause it. So of course, God is a fair and loving and just God. He's not going to punish somebody that didn't do anything to cause something. So if we're in a difficult situation, if we're in difficult circumstances, we find ourselves in this place and we didn't do anything to cause it. Even if it feels like punishment, it is not punishment. It is God trying to pull out the purpose he has for us that's going to bring forth the promise that can only come by way of being processed. We don't like to be processed. We don't like those situations in our life. Nobody does. It's uncomfortable. It just doesn't feel good, but it has to be done. And we cannot, we will spare ourselves some time if we understand everybody goes through it and it cannot be avoided. And I'm just going to yield to it. You know, you've heard this phrase before, I'm sure. And it's not, I'm not where I was, or maybe first this portion of it. I'm not yet where I need to be, but I'm certainly not where I was. What does that mean? That means you're in the process. You might be doing better than you were last year or last month or last week, but you're still in the process. And you're going to be in the process, really, truthfully, all of your days. But how you answer, respond, react to being processed so in other words, how you trust during your most difficult moments shows God what he can trust you with. Will we believe that in those moments of the bend in the road, 
in those moments that we have to slow down, in those moments of being blindsided by something, doesn't that lead to a more intense fellowship with God? And everybody says that it's, and it really is truth. You know, when things are flowing and going, we don't tend to turn our hearts to God as much as we do when things are difficult when we're in a tough season, when it just seems like one thing after another after another keeps slamming us against the wall. And really, the truth of the matter is, the word tells us that one of the definitions of God is that he is the author and the finisher. So he is going to complete the work he started in us. He's not going to leave us undone. He's not going to leave us halfway done. And so a lot of times it does feel like it's just this continual thing going on and on. Some of it's on us. Some of it's on how much we buck the process because if we're busy fighting against the process, then the purpose is not being accomplished We have to yield our hearts, our plans, our way of thinking how things should be to truly what God is desiring to do in us each and every moment, each and every moment. Will we allow God to do Whatever he desires to do, whatever he desires to do, to bring forth the purpose he desires to bring forth, to pour out the promise he desires to pour out. There are times, even in the natural, we'll use the natural, there's just a quick little rainstorm. Like maybe the forecast was it was going to be horrible weather. It was going to rain all day, thunderstorms on and off. You know, you, you bet you, lightning, the wind, high winds. And, and then actually it wasn't that bad. You know, a little bit of intermittent rain, but that was really about it. So you're like, oh, well, that wasn't bad at all. And then other times... We're not even expecting a storm and the wind is howling outside. You know, you can hear the thunder coming down the road. It's pouring out. You're going to get drenched. You were already out and about. You weren't expecting this. One minute it was sunny. The next minute the clouds are rolling in faster than you can get yourself home. And sometimes that's, it's that way in our spiritual life. We, accept, we were expecting something to be more difficult than it actually was. We kind of breezed through it. God showed up faster than we expected, with more than we expected. And those are great moments. But there are also times when we have to wait twice as long as we expected for a promise that he gave us. We didn't conjure it up. He put a vision in our heart. He gave us a dream. He burned that fire in our belly. 
We didn't think it up on our own. And now it's taken twice as long, three times, four times as long. We're still trudging through mud. We thought we'd be coasting down the river by now. It's way more difficult than we expected it to be. And it's taking twice as long as we expected it to take. Why? We will actually never know. Other than I think that it really causes us to dig down deep in ourselves to make, did I, you know, have you ever wondered, did I really hear from God? Was that really God? I'm in this situation now. It's harder than I expected it to be. So that causes me to doubt. Did I really hear from God? And a lot of times we have to remind ourselves of exactly what God said and how he said it. Because the enemy will come in and try and twist just one or two words that can change a whole destiny. So yeah, did God really say it? I mean, I've asked God this uh, on several different occasions for several different things. What's taken so long? I know you now. Okay, so I answered that question. Did I really hear from God? Yes, I really did. Yes, I know God spoke. Why is it taking so long? I don't understand. In the natural, there's no logical explanation for it. It doesn't make sense other than that it's causing me or someone I love loss. That's a difficult season. But that's the time when God's trying to pull out purpose, refined in the fire of trusting the process. And so we always have to ask ourselves, God's telling us, just trust the process. So we have to ask ourselves, will I? Will I trust the process? You know, we all have heard about King David and King Saul before him. Now, God crowned Saul, but Saul could not be in obedience. Couldn't. He couldn't trust the process. That's the result of not trusting the process. Saul could not trust the process. He just wanted all the promises. He wanted the pleasures. He needed the accolades and the affirmation on a continual basis instead of trusting in the process that God's going to bring forth his purpose, his purpose to the process. And the end result of it is God's promises manifested in our lives. And he couldn't trust that. And so many times he took things in his own hands in disobedience to, to commands from the Lord out of a lack of trust. So just to fast forward you in 1 Samuel 16 to the point where now God is rejecting Saul as king because he has done this one too many times. And he has a new king already in mind. And in 1 Samuel 16, he's going to be appointed. And so God tells Samuel, who was the prophet of the Lord at that time, he was a spokesman of God. So Samuel is responding in obedience to God, by the way. It's God's timing here. 
And he goes down and he brings a sacrifice and he invites Jesse and his sons to the sacrifice because he's going to anoint and appoint a new king. Okay, now that's a dangerous thing if you ever have thought about it, that Samuel's anointing a new king while Saul is still king can cost him his life. And the timing of it, why didn't God just remove Saul first? Well, because David, who was about to be named, was going to need to be processed. And the very person he was going to replace was going to be used in processing him to bring forth purpose and promise. And so Samuel, of course, goes to Jesse, arrives in town. They're afraid because the prophet of the Lord's coming. And Samuel tries to bring them peace and comfort them and lets them know. I want you to bring all your sons. There's going to be a new king. And I love this. This has always amazed me. And we're so guilty of this as human beings. In 1 Samuel 16, 6, it says, when they arrived, the sons, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. And he was going on outward appearance. He was going on first impressions. And we are so guilty of that. But that's another message. But God responds to Samuel's thoughts. He didn't even speak it out. God responds to his thoughts in verse seven and says, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. One of my favorite, favorite moments in scripture. So all of Jesse's sons are coming through. None of them. None of them. Next, next, <laughs> next. Finally, Samuel asks, after seven sons have gone by, are there any more? There's got to be another one. He was so confident in God sending him to Jesse, but yet he did not see the one God was wanting to anoint. And this is the truth. In 1 Samuel 16, 11 and 12, it says there's still the youngest. I mean, Jesse, the father's thinking, there's no way it's him. And Samuel's like, send for him. We are not going to sit down and eat until he arrives. And that was an insult because it was an honor to sit down and eat with a prophet of the Lord. And so if Samuel had ever left there not sitting down to eat, it would have been highly insulting to Jesse and his family. This is the beginning of David being processed. Just the beginning of it. And David has a long way to go. A long way to go. God anoints David so long before he becomes king. Because not that the anointing wasn't in David, it was already, God already saw his heart. But he was going to have to be processed to bring forth the change God needed to take place in him to walk in the promise 
of what Samuel had just spoken over him. I mean, when David shows up, God says to Samuel, rise and anoint him. This is the one. That is so powerful. Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So good. There's so much David went through. And it's just the beginning here. And it's all about change. Things have to change in us. That's why we go through bends in the road, unexpected moments, things taking longer than expected. I'm sure for Jesse and every one of David's brothers, Jesse is his father, and every one of David's brothers, they're like, what? That doesn't even make sense. David just goes back to doing what he was doing, <laughs> watching sheep. I mean, there's this big, huge thing. He anoints David to be the next king. I mean, you know, you would expect the timeline to be where immediately after that, Saul's removed somehow by God and David is shifted right into the throne. But no, it's like a dead end movie. David just goes back to the sheep where he was just a few moments ago. He was just there and he got pulled out of that to be told he was going to be king. And now he's just going back to being a shepherd. Doesn't make any sense. Why would God do all that? Why would God start all that? Why wouldn't he wait until David was older to just anoint him to be king? There's a lot of whys there. Because something shifts in the atmosphere when a destiny is placed on us. Something shifts in the atmosphere when God speaks out, I have this promise for this one. It shifts. The battles are on. There's a contending that begins. And there's a processing in each of us that begins to produce the change that needs to be produced to bring us to the place we need to bring, be brought to walk in that very promise, to walk in that very anointing that we actually already carry. God knew there were quite a few things in David's life that needed to change, even though he had the heart God was looking for. Just like God knows with each one of us, there's quite a few things in our life that needs to change. Even though we have the heart he's looking for, if we can trust the process to bring forth the very change and purpose he's looking for it to bring. And there's a lot of detail in that. And there's a lot of detail in all that David went through before stepping into the promise that I'm going to pick this up in a part two of trust the process. So we can dive into this a little deeper and I don't have to just rush through closing it up real quickly. So this will be trust the process part one and there will be a trust the process part two to dig into the actual processing that brings forth the actual change. So we'll be encouraged in our own personal lives 
that there really is purpose to the process to bring forth the very promise God said we would walk in.